You're listening to Good Because Danish podcast. Hello and welcome to the Good Because Danish podcast. My name is Arleta and uh, together with uh, our author Miriam, we had a pleasure to talk to Jenny Rosander, who's a Danish multitasking renaissance girl of the creative arts. We had a very lovely chat with Jenny about creativity in music. This podcast is the first of a series that will dive into topics connected to music, where we will discuss them with music industry professionals, with artists, with people who have to do with the music industry in many different ways. And we figured it's just perfect to start with a topic of creativity, because that's where everything starts when it comes to creative arts and when it comes to music. So we had a very lovely chat, heard a lot of very wise and very interesting things from Jenny, who's releasing music under the name of Lundmore and recently had three really great new singles out. Uh, they all announce uh, the upcoming album. We are looking very much forward to hear more from Jenny, uh, to be able to listen to more Lidmore stuff. And we hope that this conversation wasn't our last when it comes to talking to Jenny about music, life, creativity, and all the crazy, adventurous, amazing things that she does. We just started with the podcast, so we're very excited about it and we want to hear your opinions. Feel free to contact us with feedback. If you'd like to find out more about the Danish music scene, you can find us on social media under Good Because Danish and head out to our website goodbecausedanish.com. If you'd like to contribute and help us in sharing the best Danish music, please consider donating via PayPal or go to our Patreon site. I am... Jenny Rosander, I have a music project called Lidmore, where I produce avant-garde pop music. I am also a composer of scores for movies and theatre. And I am a radio host. So like the Renaissance woman of 21st century. Trying my best. <laughs> and today we want to talk with you about creativity. Uh, mostly, of course, uh, regarding music and how it works uh, when you are a composer, when you create music, where does the creativity come from, how you handle it, how you handle lack of it, mm -hmm. and uh, how does your process look like? How did you imagine the job of being a musician when you started, when you decided to become the professional musician versus how it turned out? Oh, wow. Yeah, good question. Okay, so travel back. Because I started early. I started when I was basically 18. So we must go back to my teens. You know, I guess I didn't consider the fact that there could be like a middle ground between unsuccessful and then wildly successful. Like I thought like either you would not be a musician or you would be like traveling in limousines all the time. Oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> you know, like I had, I didn't kind of, because that popular culture kind of doesn't show you that middle ground. It just shows you like, you're either a failure or you're like just a beeper. So I guess I was sort of imagining myself on private airplanes, like, and being in like huge studios with a lot of people running around getting coffee. And I don't know, actually, I think it was very much a mystery for me as well. Like, like the, the, the concrete life of composing I 
I considered musicians to be like gods when I was younger. I was like, I was, I felt very cheated when I found out how easy it was to write a song. Because I was like, I thought you had to go to the moon and back, and then you would bring back this holy thing called music. Um, and then I found out you could just sit down and put some chords together and do a melody and you had a song. So I thought like that whole, like how people behaved in studios and what the process was like, I was just like, I have no idea. It's, it's, I thought music was so magical that I couldn't kind of fathom that it was real people making it, especially the music that I was really, really um, interested in, the music that I was listening to. I was like, they are not real people. They are gods. What kind of music was that? I, I, I was a big fan of Mew, um, which I try not to talk about too much now because I'm friends with them now. I got into Björk because like the beginning of my teens, I was really, my music taste was completely off from like normal society. I would only listen to like folk music and Enya and the Lord of the Rings soundtrack. Um, so <laughs> I was really like, like, I sometimes like talk to people who are like, yeah, when I was 12, I like listened to Depeche Mode and Pet Shop Boys. And I was like, whoa. I, I had no, like, um, my, there was no trendiness. I did not listen to Nirvana or anything. I was just like, yeah, and yeah, and no stress CDs. So popular culture and popular music, pop music or electronic music was just completely off my radar. I remember me and my sister, we would brush our teeth and there was a radio in our bathroom. We lived in this old house in the countryside. And in at night, that, that radio was on whenever you turned on the lights in the bathroom. So at night there was on the channel that it was playing, there was a, a kind of electronic show that played techno. And we just, we hated it. We were like, oh, this, this music that's just not organic. Because she played the violin and I played the clarinet and we were just like really hyped about like classical music and folk music. Yeah, it sounds like a telephone ringing. And it's so ironic because I'm I'm a producer of electronic music now. But yeah, I so- totally get it. Because when I was um, around the same age, uh, my neighbor used to blast techno music, but like, the trans kind, mm-hmm. uh, I still don't like, but that was techno, that was electronic music to me for a long time because I didn't know any other thing and I hated it. <laughs> yeah, I was just like, what the hell is that? And why is he listening to the same shit for hours? And yeah, I mean, now I'm, I'm working with electronic artists, so it's. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like my relationship kind of electronic music is kind of like my relationship to wine. Like I hated wine in the beginning. I was like so excited to try drinking wine. And then I tried it. And I was like, what? It's, it's, it tastes horrible. Why are you all drinking this? And Is that then, it? Yeah. And now, well, hmm, slightly different relationship to that. Did it, did it differ? Like the, the picture you had in your head and then like how you magically create Because this is also the very kind of mysterious and magical thing for people who are not making music but listening to music i think like how do you make a song like do you just sit yeah just like does does like the muse strike you and in like 15 minutes you have a hit or like why do you need this big studio with these big like production tables with these like little twitches everywhere like why what do they all do (laughs) (laughs) you don't need those big tables they just there to look cool and they sound good but I mean, you don't need them. It's so funny. Like, I teach creative songwriting at the Royal Danish Music Conservatory, and I still don't really know how to write a song. I've done four albums, and I don't really know how to write a good song. I sometimes feel like the only moment I know how to write a song is 
while I am writing one. And if I knew right now how to write a song, I would not be here with you. I would be writing songs. Because like when kind of when you hit that space where it's possible to write music, I kind of I prioritize that over everything else because I'm not always there. It's not always possible for me. I made like a metaphor that I really liked for it. It's like Harry Potter. <laughs> you see, there's still a little new age fantasy girl inside me. It's like that he has to go through that platform, that nine and three quarters. So for me, going into the studio or, well, for me, that sometimes just means putting on my headphones in my bed and just going into the creative mode, opening up my program, just being like, okay, I'm going to make something now. It's like running towards that wall. And you have to run full speed with like all of your commitment and you're like, mm, I'm certain I'm going to run through this wall. And then uh, most times you don't run through it, you run into it and you blast into it and you, you fall back and you get bruises and it hurts like hell. That feeling of like sitting with something and you sit with it and you make the chords and you make you build a beat and you have the sounds and you're like come on come on come on come on and then at one point you realize no it's not it it's it's like the frankenstein monster that doesn't come alive it doesn't work it's not there and it and no matter how much i just shove at it it's not gonna happen and then you have to give up and you just and you lie there on the floor of king's cross station with your bags all over you and you're like oh shit and the only thing you can do is you have to put all the bags back on the trolley and then look at the wall and then run at it again and i've i've had days where i've tried like for that run i've done it three times like opening a new project on my ableton which is the program i use right now and just like completely starting from scratch okay new idea let's try like this and this and this and then uh, nothing happens and i go to bed like crazy angry because i wanted to write a song and and it can be like a physical need like i want to write something and then you can't so and when you have that feeling you immediately sit down and like try to get there or yeah when i have that when i get an idea the thing is it's all about the idea and sometimes you can go fishing for the idea and and that's like playing music like sitting with a piano and playing chords and mm -hmm. listening oh, maybe there's an idea in that and stuff and you can go fishing with an idea by I sometimes just make like a beat that's like really like mm, pumping and then I just listen to it and be like mm, there's something here what and then I get an idea for a melody or a line of lyrics or something like that and sometimes the idea just kind of pops into your head without you having to go fishing for it that's something I experienced recently where it just popped into my head at the worst like the worst time I had I had like a day off and I really needed that day off. I had worked so hard. And I was like, yes, finally, I'm going to order a pizza and I'm just going to lie here. And then the idea just goes, hello. <laughs> and it's just like, no, go away. <laughs> I'm not going to write you. And then she's like, oh, you remember those songs that write themselves? I'm one of those songs. And I had to get up. I had to crawl to the piano. I was so tired. And I crawled to the piano and six hours later I had written Like a Building, which is a song that I'm really, really happy with. And I'm really, I enjoy playing it so much and I'm so fond of it, but it just, it stole my day off. And how do you connect it with the business side of being a musician? Because you're a full-time artist, that's your day job. It's not a side project. It's not something you do when you feel like it. 
in a way. So how do you connect this, uh, this creativity that comes and goes with deadlines? Big, um, big question. Well, there's a lot of things we can go into here. But I think for me, the most important thing is get your priorities straight. That's the most important thing. Because the, the realization that you're, as an artist, you have only so much creative output in you. And there is always things you can do, especially for me right now, where I'm involved in a lot of projects and I'm starting to get more and more successful as the years go by. Like this year has been insane for me, which is funny because Corona. Um, so there's always somewhere where I can put my creative effort into and choosing where is a really, really important thing because you don't necessarily have to choose the thing that's in front of you glowing, going, you should put it here because that might not be the most important thing. Let's take an example. I had to do a music video for an upcoming song. Usually I'm very involved in my music videos. I directed the LSD Heart music video myself and I was really having fun with that. And because this is an important song, it's also an important video. And I was like, I really... I have had so many experiences with video directors making me a video that I just couldn't put out because it wasn't good enough or I didn't like it. Uh, and I've put out stuff that I even didn't think was good enough. So I'm, it's really a sore subject for me. So I was like, I have, I thought I, I, I need to find like an idea and develop it and direct this. And I talked to my manager, Stefan, who is a really intelligent man. And I fucking, I'm so happy I have him because I have a lot of these discussions with him. And he was like, yeah, but you also, I know you're also really involved in a play right now where you're directing 12 actors. And you told me that you have more music you need to write there. And you also are starting up on a new play next year where in the beginning of next year where you also had some other music. And these are two projects that matter a lot to you. And it's actually music making. Now, this is a music video. Is it that important for you to be a music video director? Or can you just let go of that? because this is your closer to your core creativity. And I did, and I got a, a crew and they came up with the idea and they fortunately came up with a really great idea. But kind of that process of like choosing where to put that effort that you have in you mm -hmm. is so important. And the environment, I think like I'm taking for what you're saying that it's really important that you have the, the right people around you who yeah. also can either like, push you or stop you or just show you different perspectives it's um it's the mixture of the right people and also having the right attitude towards the people you're working with because i feel like a lot of artists have a lot of misconceptions about what for example management is uh, in a lot of different ways they have a misconception that a manager just goes out and makes them a huge star in two days and that's a huge misconception or they have a misconception that the manager is the boss And they should be really grateful to the manager and the manager tells them what to do. And that's also a huge misconception that for me, like growing into the relationship I have with Stephen and Thomas, who I work with, who I've worked with for eight years. A lot of realizations about being extremely clear about what I need and what I need from them and what, how we can evolve together. And kind of like I'm, I am the boss in that relationship. It's me saying, I want this, I want this, I want this. But the difference between normal jobs and mine is that I'm a boss, but I'm also an artist and terribly distraught. And I'm not the one with like the spreadsheets. 
So like, and a lot of people will think, oh, because the manager is the one with the spreadsheet, he's the boss. But no, it's my job to keep them motivated and to be very, yeah, be very clear about what I want from my people and be like, I want you to help me be this kind of artist. But it's also, I think, a lot about trust because then you're the creative force in this equation. You are responsible for bringing the ideas and making them a reality from one hand, but from the other hand, then you need someone you can trust that will deal with all the things that happen at the backstage, like yes, paperwork and budgets and schedules and all these these things that if they do their job right, then you have the, the space and uh, the environment to actually be creative. Yeah, and I feel like the, as my career is growing and, and I'm... It's funny because... It's actually, it, it's it's very um, natural, that process, that they are earning more and more money on me because I'm, I'm earning more and more and more money, but they are also getting more and more work because I'm pushing more and more stuff on their plates because it becomes so important for me to be at the right place in my mind um, at the right time. Um, so it's just like everything I can possibly give to them, I do give to them. Fix my calendar, fix my flights. For example, they don't have to ask me whether I'm free. If my calendar is free, I am free. It's a lot of like time time management in a way, my life. How do you uh, approach uh, the times when you you have the space, you have the environment, and then nothing happens? There's a lot about self forgiveness there. Not being too hard on yourself. Um, I've started meditating. Um, which is a huge deal for me. I can't stop talking about it because it's so cool. I do transcendental meditation, which is the same that David Lynch is really going on about. And one of the things that you get taught when you learn transcendental meditation is that you cannot choose what kind of meditation you'll have. Like you don't know if you're going to have a super messy meditation and your brain's going to go all over the place or if you're going to have one of those like really profound experiences of like connecting to everything in life. And you practice that it's a part of your practice it's a part of how you meditate is that kind of like letting go of controlling which is basically like giving your mind a break and that's why it's so healthy and I think that kind of has affected me in a positive way because I used to be so hard on myself when I couldn't get that creative flow and I started to realize that I cannot choose myself if it's going to work i can however choose if i show up for work by that i mean open my computer open the program put on headphones it's just a small thing and it can actually be if you're tired and if you have a really stressful life it can be a really hard thing to pull yourself together to do um also because you are putting yourself in a position of possible failure but i can choose i can go i can show up for work i can sit by the piano i can try but if it doesn't come There's nothing I can do about it. I tried my best. And kind of like accepting that the process is a mystery and it's a labyrinth and there's no way I can ever predict how it's going to need me to, what path the process is going to need me to go. That acceptance, and that's something I'm really working on. It's, I'm not good at it yet. I still get pissed when I can't make it work, but I'm trying. And is that something that also like sparks creativity at some point because you can relax like deeply and then start again? Yeah, I mean, yeah, um, it kind of, it, but that's a whole different conversation because I feel like meditation is changing everything. It changes your creativity, it changes your relationship to people around you. But 
like to the other question of like how you handle those days where there's nothing there. I wanted to tell a story that I thought that I experienced this summer. I felt like life was teaching me a lesson there. Uh, and I thought it was very interesting. In the play Mörktfall or Dark Spring, I knew there needed to be a piano theme. I kind of, I could see that in the material that it needed a, a really gorgeous, beautiful piano team, theme. And I had like two, two, three days where I tried making it and I showed up for work all the days. I was, was in like, kind of like the post breakup period where I was kind of manically running around my apartment, just like trying to make sense of life. But I was like really like trying and it was like lockdown. I didn't see anyone and I tried everything. It could beat and then play a melody over it. The melody will come and then I can transpose it to piano. Nope, didn't work. I was sim jamming at the piano, recording it. And I was listening to so much different music, like hoping some of it would like kind of spark an idea. I tried and tried and tried and tried and nothing worked. And then my mom called and she was like, can you come, you want to come have dinner? And I was like, yeah, I'll come have dinner. I went to her house and I had dinner and it was so nice to be at her house because at that time, point, my apartment felt like this kind of like boot camp where the only thing I could do in my apartment was try to make that fucking piano theme so I was like oh it's so good to be out of there um, <laughs> and I asked my mom like can I stay just to, until tomorrow just can I just stay here I just I don't I don't want to go back to the apartment of the missing piano theme and I stayed and then in the morning um she was working from home because it was like locked down and like yeah it was early summer and I just decided in the morning I was like I need time off you know what mom I'm gonna stay here for two days I'm just gonna take some time off I can do that I've worked so much the past few weeks I'll just mm, I'll read books and be, yeah and she's like oh that's great honey I'd love to have you here and um I sat down on her sofa I picked up a book and I read half a page and then the piano theme and I went to my mom's piano and I looked at the piano and I played it. And it was there. It was completely finished. It took like wow. two. Okay. I, I haven't I've have had a lot of experiences with that. And it's the thing is that the trick is not have time off all the time and you'll come up with amazing stuff. I needed those three days of constant frustration. And then at the point of letting go, all of that pent-up like processes of where I had been trying to get it they flushed out in in me and I was able to write the theme yeah I think it's really like uh, kind of like listening to a fairy tale of some sort or like you know that's that's the mu that's the music and that's the creation part in music I don't think like we can talk about it for hours and we never really get that much closer to what it really is the creativity no music. that's the thing but the thing is, I feel like because we're doing the radio show and we're talking a lot about um, creativity and what, what I feel like we always end up talking about is self-forgiveness, shame, fear. Because that's kind of like, that's the thing that you can have a grasp on that really affects this. Because the thing is, when you go to the studio, when I have bad days in the studio, it's not because music is not working that day. Music always works. It's because I'm too hard on myself and I'm too hard on what comes out. I'll play one chord and I'm like, oh God, it's horrible. I'm a horrible artist. And it's kind of like having 
the ability to forgive yourself for not being able to forgive yourself also you can take it out another layer because sometimes you can't forgive yourself sometimes you're just really angry at yourself because you couldn't make that song and that's fair and then forgiving yourself for being angry at yourself if that makes sense it's also a really good tool to kind of allow yourself to be in that creative space You mentioned the radio show. We also wanted to ask you about it. You became uh, doing a radio show on Pesex Beat, on the Danish radio, yeah. which is called Monami Complex. And it's in Danish. So for many people who don't speak Danish, it might be hard to grasp the concept. Can you? And it is about creativity. It basically. is about It's it's about creativity and it's kind of like we go a little bit method on it because we think creativity and the act of creation is such a weird thing and it contains so much abstract weirdness. We decided that our program needed to contain a lot of abstract weirdness as well. So the program is very odd and there's a lot of like free-flowing mind babble Like in the, we end we end every show with like these like kind of like long poems that we write together that are like super weird and full of references to the creative process, our lives. Um, and we start the program with them. And we have a lot of weird, surreal characters. We have uh, Captain Caput, who's just this odd man that surfaces sometimes who has a really huge penis, but he's very afraid of himself. Uh, we have concepts of like question question which is a game we sometimes play where we can only answer each other with questions so it's this kind of and then we interview people and we interview them we try to do with shit with them we had a war photographer get down like lie on the floor in corpse pose and um, reenact his old funeral we had a writer who did a novel about an old danish queen called Margrethe den Förster. we had her become her and then we interviewed the danish queen from the 1300s so it's kind of like and that sounds like we're doing a comedy thing but it's not really <laughs> i don't know sometimes it's funny but it's mostly not funny it's just like weird how do you like choose the people that you interview or like are there people that you know before or how does that come together I mean, we, we have a, a producer that we talk to and, and then me and Luisa, the other host, we just kind of like try to have a broad spectrum of people we find interesting. We have done a few of my friends I, and we just ended up doing them like kind of like consecutively. And I felt a little bit bad about that because we did have Noah from Builded Volume and Amanda, who's the theatre director I'm working with and who's also one of my his friends and then we have christian from google berlin who's also worked with and that was kind of a coincidence because we meant to have all of them but then we had all of them at the same time and i'm so afraid people are going to say that i just bring my friends into the radio but we also because we also get suggestions from theaters and um book publishers now they send us people. Oh, so that, okay yeah because they, i think people are kind of starting to get onto what we're doing so they're pitching us people which is a really nice thing to have like book publishers write to you and be like Oh, you should check out this author. He's really interesting because blah, blah, blah. Like, Now oh. you know how we feel. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah. Yeah. It's nice to get those emails. <laughs> it is. It is. Uh, you also have more time in a way now to, to go in different directions because, well, touring is not an option, at least not for now. No. Did, yeah. 
did it's, that affect your creative process in a way because I mean, we talked about it with Miriam the other day uh, how some artists uh, actually kind of ch made different albums in the end because they knew they won't be touring with them for example ah okay and we had uh, two artists like Trenti Malas, um for his last album he knew that he wasn't going to tour that album at least not exactly when it came out last year in October I think so there was a lot of creative flow that came from that, from knowing I don't have to perform this live. This is like something I can create in my own space. Then there was also Deep House producer, Steve Buck, who we are working with. And he's, he also just published an album and he said like, yeah, I had so much more time to dive into different genres and to different samples and, and elements because I didn't have to like fly around all day. <laughs> yeah, so, uh, that was something that, that really struck me and I was wondering uh, how that worked for you yeah I looked at my passport the other day and it was like, like full of dust <laughs> um, which is so odd I mean last year and the year before that if there was two weeks that gone by where I hadn't been out of the country I would feel weird you know I was really touring a lot and life is so different now I mean, I've never really thought about how I would play things live when I made them in the studio. And then I would get to like the part where I had to play stuff live and I'd be like, oh no, <laughs> what is this I've made? I can't play this live. It makes no sense. Um, so that has never really been something that affected my creative process. Basically, like when lockdown came, as is kind of a, a, a story that I've decided to be kind of public with, it was really like a hard blow for me because I had this combination of Sensuality Happens, which was a play I was making in Copenhagen, and my tour and my boyfriend uh, all just disappearing in front of me. So for me, it was kind of like a catharsis moment of really like, okay, everything is broken. But what happened was that because of coincidence, I ended up getting involved in like four different scoring projects, my four soundtracks. And we all, at by June, I think, I knew I would be making four soundtracks and they all had to be finished around the time from January to June next year and I was like shit that is a lot of music <laughs> to finish so in a way I just completely shifted gears and went from being this person who would always be on the road always be sitting in lounges and airports and crazy partying and being in some weird place in Hong Kong with Like all of this rock and roll lifestyle that I was really buying into, I loved it. I loved it so much. I thought it was fucking cool. But I just like kind of like left that behind me and just became a kind of quiet person who sat alone. Because I mean, for my albums, I actually always work with co-producers because I like to have that kind of bouncing back and forth thing, especially when it's very personal music. But suddenly I was bouncing back and forth with directors instead, which I mean, okay, mom can bounce back and forth with them. So it's fine. But that would mean I would, I would create it alone, very much just sitting in my apartment one week on one thing. Okay. Do, 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 create that. And then whoops, one week on the movie. Do, 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 do. Whoops one week with the TV show. And I did that the whole summer and the whole fall. And I actually, I coordinated with my manager. I would, every Monday I'd be like, okay, this week I want to create three songs. I want to research uh, this part of producing. I want to research how you can create a bass that fits in, in this kind of universe. 
and I want to do like an online course of harmonics. It really feels like the past half year has been like a self-teaching university for me. So I've just really gone into the craft, if that makes sense. And now I fuck I it's it's so nice. I feel like I know my craft so well. So that has been kind of like the whole my big creative uh, epiphany has been just like being in the same kind of very quiet, pushing all distractions away and just going deep into what is music. Usually when you think about lack of creativity, it means that you might be like yeah, in a bad place, depressed or there is some sort of trauma behind it and then you mm. can't make yourself create. I feel that's often how, how people might see this and it's probably true in many cases, but in some cases, I think like looking at you, it's kind of the creativity became like a therapy tool that yeah. you could make you get out of the bad times you are in. Mm -hmm. I mean, I think I, I'm a very stubborn person and when my life kind of broke And that was definitely what happened in March. I needed that thing to work so badly. I needed to feel like an artist. I needed to connect with that part of myself that I am most fond of. It was very much a therapy tool, but it was not like therapy as in I would deal with the subjects because I was creating music for other people. I had made my album already. I think for me, it was really, really, really important for me to have that part of myself because it is the part of myself that I like, you know? When I create something, I feel like I have seconds where I can feel like I am a hurricane. I needed to, to touch in with that very strongly because I felt so insecure and I felt like everything was collapsing. And I was like, okay, if I have nothing else, at least I have my art. It was really difficult and it was really hard to pull myself together to, to go to that and take put on this, the headphones and sit and start. But it was just like an act of willpower, a really like a month-long act of willpower to kind of will myself into a very creative mode. Mm -hmm. And it worked. I am now in a very creative mode and I'm not sad anymore. Yeah, I think it's this kind of thing that uh, people who listen to music, I think, often have that, you know, how one song can just make or just listening to music, diving into your your go to record or, or artist when you're down helps you to back, get back on your feet. In a way. Yeah. Yeah. And I think I knew I knew that was the only thing I could go to. I couldn't I couldn't find another boyfriend. <laughs> I couldn't find another big play on the Royal Theatre. Like there was there was only this thing. And I was like, okay, high creativity. Let's be friends. Do you think that creativity is lonely? Yes. And no. It depends on what kind of thing you're making. I mean, in some ways it is very lonely because nobody's in your head and the idea of forming is an odd but but the thing is that when you do collaborations it is that much more intimate and that much more rewarding for example i'm doing a play right now in Olbor. i came up with a, an idea that all the actors would be singing a lot and they're singing the whole score so they're singing all these abstract shit like they're really doing like ah, oh and some of it is improvised and some of it is something i wrote 
like a lot of like really like Wagner kind of shit. And then the director is also working very much with abstract shit. And the connection between me, him and the actors, like that's the least lonely I could imagine a person being. Like being in that room and like me like letting the actors sing something and hearing them sing it and then looking at him like is this something that works and then him like yes it is and that kind of like when you get into the collaborative creative space it's better than sex you did also collaborate with your fans quite a bit lately yeah. is this a bit different uh, like does it kind of bring some other sides of creativity for you I mean, every time I've done these like kind of fan collaborations where I've um, gone on a live stream and, and done something, it, it's kind of like you have the solitary process because I'm still the only one making it. People are sending me a lot of shit that I have to kind of make sense of, but nobody else is going to help me make sense of it. So I'm still kind of alone, but it's like you put a sp like a boost speeder on like that process because you were there and people are looking and people are commenting and you're like, oh yeah, maybe you should do that. And you get ideas sent from all kind of like weird parts of the world. It demands a lot of energy to be like the center of that process. It's very different. I have never tried anything like it. Recently, you released a video uh, that was... Mm -hmm made in a collaboration with with your fans before that during lockdown uh, you started a project where people were sending lyrics and basically co-wrote a song in a way with you yeah so and i i was thinking about it lately because these people are often like they might not have anything to do with music no. or like video or like any kind of creative job do like a day job They, their, their day job can be just something completely different. And uh, I think this is very interesting to, to see that actually in every one of us has this kind of creative seed of creativeness inside. Everybody can do creativity. Everybody can make music. It's not, it's not a secret club. It's not, I don't believe in talent. I do not believe in talent. If I look at how I was in my teens and how I was in the beginning of my career, I was not cut out to be an artist in no way. I did not have the right mindset. I did not have the right personality type to create good art. I decided What I want the right personality type. Like I'm very sure of yourself. I mean, for me, that's, I, that's something that I think like, you need as an artist, you need to know what you want to do. Otherwise, you're going to try and do what everybody else wants you to do. I really think everybody can do it. And I think I love listening to music from people who are new at making music. It's the most wonderful thing. I do teaching sometimes. I don't have time to do it a lot, but I, I do like short, like master classes. I, I call it master classes because it sounds like I'm a grandmaster. And I really, I do. It's fun to teach at the conservatory because they're so, you know, practiced and good and stuff. But I really prefer teaching people who've never done it. I had a, a girl I write her second song in a class I did a few months ago and it was so touching and it was good and it was great and I'm just seeing her take her first stumbling steps into that world it was just oh, so amazing. Do you think that the big thing to overcome if you want to really like go and dive into your creativity is the the rejection part? 
I think about it a lot when you when you talk about like sitting down and creating and working hard and putting all this energy and effort and then creating this little tiny piece of gem that is perfect in your eyes or it's just like something that you put your heart into mm-hmm. and then you you have to put it out there yeah to someone else who might say like uh sorry jenny but like no <laughs> yeah fuck it's it's um i'm better at it now god i love growing up like oh i'm just i'm in my 30s now i'm 30 so i'm in my 30s and i'm loving it because it's so much less weird and complicated in the beginning when i put out music i would just be trembling on that day i would just be i would feel like if two hours had passed and it wasn't a huge radio hit and the grammys hadn't called then i would be a huge failure you know also maybe because of that thing where i didn't see like a middle way between Justin Bieber and a failure. I would be so latched on to other people's opinions and reviewers and all of that shit. That's something I say a lot. I made I made the mistakes so badly that I've become quite good now. Um, and I made them over and over because I was so obsessed with other people's opinions of what I did. And now it's <laughs> it's almost like I'm becoming a little bit too good at it. I found out that the thing i have to be hyper about is the creative process not the outcome because you can't trust you never know what's going to happen you don't know if the radio is going to like it on the shanghai album there was one song that got played on danish radio and it was claudia which had like a big poetry slam break in it when that happened i was like i will never understand radio like i don't know what they want and i don't want to think about it i'll make my victories when i'm in the studio and i manage to make what i want i will celebrate i will have the champagne there but i mean the record of course the album that's different for me i'm very much an album artist as well for me single is is weird it's i don't know it's weird i'm an album artist and the release of the album really means a lot to me and 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 i think i am allowed to say now that there is an album coming yeah that's something i get really hyped about but the whole thing about like rejection from other people it is horrible and it is it's really like it it it's it kills you And there's something about to be said about the negative bias as well here where if we receive positive like I- I- info or negative info the negative info was way much more I played like the Corona show which was like a, a show that a guy was putting on in his apartment um with like pro cameras and stuff and I went over there with my keyboard and I played the show and after I had played he was like oh my god there's so many people commenting and everybody was saying that they were crying and you're like we uh, fundraised more money than we ever did and it was just like yes I a lot of compliments a lot of candy and then I took a cab home to my apartment and in the cab I started talking to the cab driver and he we talked about music and I told him I made music and I played my music He played his cousin. His cousin made hip hop. He played his cousin's mu- music, and I played my music. And then he said, "Oh yeah, your beats are a little bit boring." And there's, a bit... <laughs> and there's a little bit too. He was trying to give me advice, which was super odd. I uh, was like, "Yeah, mm, you should maybe work a little bit on like the beats and the sounds are a little bit boring." And I was just like, I came home to my apartment, and I had just had literally thousands of people complimenting me saying they were crying and it was mean the world to me but this one cab driver mm-hmm. my beats were boring and that was the thing that was in my head it was like oh no my beats are boring he's right oh no i'm a failure that made me realize how much we cling on to the negative stuff 
how much we just punish ourselves with it. And I just wish I, I work and I try to kind of beat that because it's so annoying. Yeah, but we talked about it also like in terms of creativity that sometimes like the whole uh, way of releasing music these days, mm-hmm. uh, like what you said, the singles, the EPs, the, sh- the more and more shorter versions of delivering your music, it also kind of changes the way I th- I, I I can only assume, but I, th- I think it has an impact on the way you create things. I mean, it's probably hard to keep these thoughts, like block them maybe in a way that you're not um, maybe making just this one single, but it's like you have a bigger hole and it's a part of it. Mm. But I mean, yeah, it is changing, but that is culture though. Culture is always changing. It's a, like, that's like a realization I had because a lot of people are talking about the different music industry. It's like they think that the music industry they had in the 60s and 70s was like the, before that, it was completely different. Before that, it was completely different. Before you could be able to record music, it was a very different music scene. You know, you had classical composers do sheet music. No, it's, yeah. it's, it's like a culture is like a constantly changing walking catastrophe um of crazy artists trying to figure out how to get food on the table so everything affects how you write that's the thing like you are you're a juice machine you know you if, if you put like apples and oranges and pineapples and stuff into the juice machine you know nice juice comes out if you put a hamburger into the juice machine, then what comes out is really disgusting. But do you think that this, uh, uh, this, like these creative juices will ever dry out? Do you ever think about it, if it can happen? I think about that sometimes. But I mean, <laughs> currently, because I'm so inspired and I'm so lucky to be working on all these different projects where I can just be like this jester, like, oh, I'm over here. Oh, now I'm over here. I'm doing this one. <laughs> um so i'm like oh i like having a creative block right now would be kind of nice i can have a holiday um (laughs) i wouldn't mind right now like my creative juices drying up it would be a lot of trouble like my manager would have a troubling few months but no actually i don't think about it right now okay i'm actually that would be horrible now that i do think about it you made me think about it it's horrible Okay, oh, yes. I, I, I'm expecting a, an angry email from your managers next week. No, what I did you do? What did you do? I don't think. I mean, I as I told you before, like with the spring, I'm very stubborn. So if I would get like a creative block, I would, I would fight it with my whole life. I would go to war. I went to war in spring to get my creativity back, and I did. So I could go to a war like that again you listened to the good because danish podcast to find out more about the danish music scene please visit our website goodbecausedanish.com